You're listening to Women in Wealth WordPress, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of female empowerment and financial freedom through the wonderful world of web design. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from starting as a designer and then now to going out on your own and becoming a successful business owner? I sure can. I mean, really depends how far back you want to go because I feel (laughs) like my pathway to becoming a professional designer started when I was in grade three, Yeah, which I know that sounds crazy. I won a Christmas card competition from my whole school when I was in grade three for a doing it in paint. Do you remember that program? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like from that moment, I know that sounds so corny. I just feel like I've always known that I want to be a designer Mm -hmm. and it's just always come really naturally to me doing art at school, graphics. I I was obsessed with magazines. I feel like most teenagers were that, you know, our generation, people, young people don't know what magazines are anymore. (laughs) But I, yeah, I just, I always wanted to be the person who designed the layouts of the magazines that I collected. And as soon as I found out that that job was called a graphic designer, it's just all I've ever wanted to do. And I was lucky enough to receive a full scholarship to study at TAFE after high school. So while all my friends were going off to study law degrees and business degrees and all of those normal things, I feel like it was really unusual pathway for me and my friendship group at the time. So anyway, I went and did graphic design and yeah, I worked in agencies for six years and I've been doing this for nearly six years on my own, which seems crazy. Mm. So that's the pathway I took, which is pretty straightforward. I know lots of people kind of pivot and do different things, but yeah, it's just been on my agenda since I was in grade three. Amazing. That's so much experience that you bring to it then. And I do feel like in some ways I didn't have that agency background. So there's a lot I missed out on and I didn't have a formal education. I'm all completely self-taught. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I would love to just go back and start, like do a year at Billy Blue or something. I may still do that yeah. at some point because I also just love learning and I just think there's no limit to growth and things like that. So Totally. But I mean, there's so many different pathways mm. to do anything really. Like no one has the same one pathway. No one studies at the same place. No one has the same, even so many different jobs you can have. So I think I mean, everyone has a different experience in terms of like where they are. Yeah. yeah. There's merit to all of them. And yeah, that's totally. true. And in some ways I think, oh, I wouldn't be where I am doing what I am if I hadn't taken the path that I did because I had my own business and I started, that was where I started building websites. And then I got a job in corporate and that yep. wasn't an agency. I was doing marketing for a financial services company. I got different experiences there that I wouldn't have got. So yeah, that's true. It all adds. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I haven't never worked in corporate, so I'm sure there's so many things that Mm. you can bring to the table or that you learned through those experiences that someone like me hasn't. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, I don't think there's any right fit or right pathway Mm -hmm. to any successful business owner, really. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. And has there been any big challenges that you face going from being an employee to running your own design studio? Definitely. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a silly question. Yeah. I should have said, what's one big one? <laughs> no, it's so many. I mean, I feel like when you step into it, unless you've owned a business before, you really are going in blindly and you don't really know what to expect. But I feel like the big one is having to make your own money, <laughs> having to mm. rely on yourself to bring in the money and pay all the bills. I feel like a lot of people slowly ease into it and they might freelance for a little bit and then ease into it in like a number of different ways. 
I was made redundant. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was two months into a new job. I think I was actually two months and 28 days. So like just before the three months. And that's a whole other story. But anyway, so I was um, made redundant and faced with that decision of do I do it now or do I, it was a little bit earlier. Like I'd always wanted to start my own business, but happened very suddenly. I was already in a co-working space because I was working remotely for this company. So I took all the signs from the universe and stayed there and just gave it a go. And that's how it started for me. So it was very kind of cold turkey, no preparation, no clients, no nothing. But sometimes I feel like when you're just pushed into that, it can be a little bit easier because there wasn't that scary build up. But yeah, I mean, coming back to it, it really is, yeah, having the responsibility to get the clients and pay the bills pay yourself. is like the big one. Mm. <laughs> totally. It's a huge leap. Yeah. I had a very similar situation and some people say to me, oh, how do you do it? And I just say, I had no other option. Like I lost my job when I was yeah. pregnant. I had the rest of my pregnancy and like a gap job. Then I had mat leave. And then after a year and a half out of the field or whatever it was, I was like, I don't know if I went back to work now, I wouldn't get a job at the same level because I'm not qualified. I worked my way up to that and I've had a gap and all of these things. So I was like, I'm not going back to an entry level job. My time is so much more valuable now. I want to make more money and, and I also wanted flexibility and I wanted to work for myself and all of these things. So yeah, in some ways I'm with you. Like at the time, I bet it did not feel like a blessing, but looking back, it's like, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. 100%. Yeah. Who knows where we'd be mm. if those difficult things didn't happen. And I always have so much respect for the people that consciously make that decision and make that brave move, because I feel like that would be really hard. It would. Yeah. <laughs> when is the best time? There's never the best time really, but Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, blessing in disguise is totally the right attitude for us both, I guess. Mm, Totally. Okay, so how long have you been running your business now? Yeah, so nearly six years, six years coming up in January, which I feel like the time has flown, but also it's just so normal now. Like Mm. six years, I don't know, in the scheme of things isn't a huge amount of time, but it's also such a long time. Yeah. (laughs) And there's no, I mean, I love it. There's no way I would ever go back to working for anybody else. I agree with you. I always say probably unemployable. <laughs> totally. Exactly. I know. And I actually know people who have then tried to go back and find jobs after running their own business and they struggle, which is crazy because I feel like we wear all the hats and we do all the things. So we'd be great employees. So too bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But do you know what? I think probably employers recognize that and they probably realize that once you've had that take yeah. freedom. Yeah. How long are you really going to last in a very structured and, oh, I just, I remember like the politics and the the little like the ways that people would say things and have little digs at you in meetings and like probably not so much to me, but I saw it like at the management level of everyone's trying to climb over each other and it's just such a gross environment. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad to be free. I know. Yeah. I mean, look, I had some awesome jobs. Like I had some great co-workers and I still see them, but just going back to having to catch the train to work. Yeah. (laughs) I don't miss that. I don't miss that. Just roll on out of it and hop into my studio now. Yeah. Yeah. But flexibility is definitely, and like earning potential Mm. is a big one as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, don't miss it. Yeah, totally. So now you have your own design studio and you do very beautiful work. I actually saw you posted something just before this call and I was like, oh, I love that. The real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so good. Oh, thank you. 
So you do that, but you also coach and mentor designers and have an e-course as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what are the some of, some of the common misconceptions that new designers have about running their own studios? Totally. Well, I mean, the biggest one that I can think of is that being a great designer is not all it takes to run a, a successful business. So I feel like I see all these talented designers attempt to do the freelancing thing and put great work out there and that's awesome. But I love talking about business and I don't know why it sort of comes naturally to me. I've always fell into that role, even when I was working for agencies, managing the filing system or mentoring the designers, or I just, I think it must just be my personality of stepping into that leadership role. And so naturally, even with all my business friends, like I just love talking about work and processes and every time someone mentions a struggle or something I'm like what about this like I'm the fixer I want to be the fixer I'm not mm. the friend you come to when you need the tap on the back or the emotion <laughs> but even in my friendship group like I just I want to fix everything and so I think naturally my love of design and business and and wanting to be the fixer and I'm a process person which I think is quite unusual for a sort of creative so I've just fallen into that and I love it. And I'm an, also an oversharer. You probably noticed that from my Instagram. I just love talking and sharing things and helping people. And yeah, I've started, I don't like the word coaching because I don't feel like I'm qual qualified as a coach. I think I'm just, yeah, as I said, like I just like sharing my experiences and I feel like if that can help people, then I'm going to turn it into a course. And so far mm. it's going well. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I had a friend who did your course last round and she's an interior designer really? so not even yeah. yeah they really rated it so that's awesome but I this is a theme isn't it funny how it's the red car thing you buy a red car and you see red cars everywhere I just keep getting these same messages over and over and over again at the moment and one one that keeps coming up for me at the moment is to walk in the footsteps of giants and I actually I can't even remember who said it to me it was like in mm -hmm. a presentation or something recently and mm -hmm. it's just been ringing in my head of like, follow the path of people who have come before you. Like you don't need to figure everything out on your own. You don't need to just, yeah, work in isolation and do everything from scratch. There are so many shortcuts and so many people who have done the thing and learned the hard lessons. And if you have the, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like the foresight to open yourself up to that, your business journey will be so much smoother. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things too, like, especially if you haven't come from that agency background is that you don't know what you don't know. Yes. And yeah. so it's not even about you or me telling people how they should run their business or you need to do X, Y, Z, or you need to use these programs or it's not about that. It's about being open-minded to new ways of communicating things and new ways of doing things. And even I've even had people admit like students in my course that they're just curious how someone else does things. So mm -hmm. just, yeah, as you said, being open-minded to absorbing new ways of doing things, learning things, sharing things, and that's how you grow. And yeah, I just love talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I really like the whole time you're talking, I was like nodding. I'm very similar to you. I'm very process-driven. I always say it's like one of yeah, my right. special interests. It's like every project, okay, what can I do differently? What can I do yeah. better? How can I improve it? I've yeah. changed my client management portal like so many times I've actually just changed it again so yeah there's there's no end point there's <laughs> always is it fun to do. you though do you find yes. that fun as well yeah 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 I just We're brought a new weirdos. <laughs> yeah and I'm like I just I need like, two days to just set it up and play with it and I'm like I don't have that space in my calendar right now but I'm like 
oh, every week I write it on my list and I'm like, I just want to play with my new software. I know. <laughs> and I list, that's the other thing. I love yeah. a good list. <laughs> yeah. What do you use? Yeah. This is going off a bit topic here. Um, are you going to yeah. laugh if I say pen and paper? I no. love a good pen and paper list. Yeah. I rewrite it every single day. Yeah. Obviously, I've got my, like I use Dubsado for client management, but there's just something about me writing it down that mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it's just it's like a brain dump every morning, yeah. a brain dump, and then I feel clear in my head. Everything's on paper. I smash out the easy, quick stuff first, and I don't know, I'm just all about the organization and the planning and the yeah. The lists. <laughs> yes, I'm exactly the same. I have, yeah. like, I'll show you my little list. And same with yeah. pens. I'm like, I have my one and that's what yeah. I use. And <laughs> Definitely okay. recommend. I love that. Um, okay. So I guess we've talked a bit about agency experience, like how, and we have talked about different like routes and things like that. How important do you think it is to have agency experience in this field? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I feel, I f- I feel biased because I've come from that agency background and I feel like I have, I learned a lot about how to run a business, but also how not to run a business. And so I definitely think that that helped me in my early, like figuring out what the fuck I was doing. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. So I think, (laughs) so, I mean, yes, I think that agency experience is awesome if that's something that's feasible for you but obviously that's not going to work for everybody and as we mentioned before like there are so many different pathways to becoming a designer starting a business like I know plenty of successful designers who didn't um, do the agency thing who haven't even studied formally I, I guess you don't need that in our industry you have to just be a great designer and be organized and be a good communicator and so my course is very helpful for people that haven't had that agency experience because it's all about the business stuff and how to price yourself and how to structure your services and very much about building it to suit you and your lifestyle rather than this is the way that you need to do it. Mm. So I'm um, yeah, I don't think that it is essential, but it's definitely beneficial. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I still get that. I think that we're at this crazy turning point in time where there really is just this whole new opportunity of running your business in the way that suits you this is not a thing 20 years ago to work flexibly to work from home to have uncapped income to work with people that you want to work with like we're at such a fortunate place in time yeah I feel really really yeah totally and I don't want to talk about the big c word and by big c word obviously I'm talking about COVID (laughs) not the other naughty word but I feel like even that period has really shifted the way people work like I used to host all of my meetings all of my workshops in person because that was the expectation that's just how everyone has run business forever really obviously there was still the online stuff for interstate clients but generally I had the co-working space so clients would come and meet me but now I do everything online and the amount of time it saves in terms of like we're thinking about productivity here like it's insane and that expectation of that in-person stuff has changed. It's just really shifted the way people work and that flexibility, even people that work full-time jobs as employees, like being able to work from home. And so I just think that whole mentality around that freedom and that flexible lifestyle has really shifted in the last few years alone, which is so good. So good. So if there's one good thing to come out of COVID, it's that. <laughs> yes, definitely. I totally agree. 
Yeah. So I guess on this whole work-life balance, building your dream life, building your dream business, like what are some things that you do to find that and some steps that you've taken to achieve this in your business? I feel like this is, it's like a complex thing, right? Because everyone's, what work-life balance means to everyone, and I'm doing my little finger quotation marks there, everyone's going to have a different idea of what that looks like for them, right? So it's really about finding your own, I like to call it a sweet spot. So it's like finding your own sweet spot between freedom, profit, and happiness. So like for me, my goal and for most people is to work less, earn more, right? And then ultimately be happy. So that's the three like pillars that I talk about and and mumbling here, trying to get my words out. I'm a visual person. So I'm trying to like visualize my three buckets, right? (laughs) So I think about three buckets. You think about freedom, profit, and happiness. They all need to be balanced so that it all aligns. Mm. And so everyone's everyone's going to be different, right? You might be at a stage of life where you're happy to work more and earn more, or you might be at a stage of life where you really want freedom and you want to take Fridays off, or you want to only work nine till two so you can pick your kids up. So are you happy to compromise on a little bit less profit in order to have a happier life? So it's really about finding your own sweet spot. Mm. And I think this is why it really irks me. And like I do, I do do this a little bit in my marketing, but this whole like... Um, 10k months become a six-figure business owner what does that even mean and is that Mm -hmm. relevant to you and is that even going to make you happy so Mm -hmm. it really is about finding your own sweet spot and what is your dream work-life balance and what's going to make you happy I could talk about it for ages but it ultimately comes down to are you happy are you doing what you love are you making the money that's going to support the lifestyle that you want to live and then working out how you can build your business to suit that Mm. And I also think that sometimes that looks different. Like maybe if you've got your buckets, maybe at one point you want one of them to be bigger. Yeah, totally. Like it's ebbs and flows in business. And sometimes when you have a quiet time, it's like this spring recoiling ready to like expand again. I've gone through that this year. I've come back from Matt Lee. Well, I had a complete year off where I was like really intrinsic and I was like cooking every day and I was walking and I was dropping food to friends and I was like this is my thing for this year and I spent so much time with my baby and I had so many naps like my first mat leave was so stressful and hectic for me and then the second one I was like I've done this before and I was in a very different place mentally so I feel like I've had that time of like my spring contracting and then now I'm ready for my like you know, to pop back open. Totally. It's like the seasons of business, the seasons of life. Like it's going to change no matter yeah. where you're at. Yeah. Uh, even for me this year, like I, I've i been hustling this year more so than I would like to admit because I am very much, this work-life balance thing is super important, but I know that I'm taking two months off at the end of the year to go on holidays. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm willing to work a little bit harder now so that I can completely switch off and not have to worry about anything for two months. And so it really just depends where you're at and what your goals are. And yeah, there's no kind of one size fits all at all. Yeah. So it's just finding out what you want and how much you want to work and how much you want to earn. And then just trying to figure out how that's going to look for you. Mm, Coming back to processes, one of my favorite Mm. topics. When you nail those processes, everything else starts to fall into place. You can work more. You can have better work-life balance. You can earn way more money because you've just nailed all of the mundane, repeatable kind of shit, the business management, the client management, all of that stuff. Yeah, it's... Exactly. And that's the whole business growth journey, right? Is, Mm. you know, 
I'm, I'm talking generally here, but like most people, the goal is to earn more money, right? But work less. And so it's mm-hmm. like, how do you get to that? There's so many different things that contribute to that. So there's mm-hmm. your processes, which is massive, as you just mentioned. There's what services you offer, your pricing, who your clients are. Like it's just, there's so many different things and it's like, okay, but how does that all come together and what does that look like for me and how on earth do we get there? Yes. And that is the whole business journey. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's like how long is a piece of string really? Um, <laughs> oh, someone said the answer to that the other day. It was like twice as long as half its length. Have you heard exactly. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if you have a goal to reach whatever figure it is, when you get there, like you're going to have another goal. You're not yeah. just going to switch off and be like, okay, I'm done now. Mm. It's human nature to want to keep going. Keep. I mean, yeah. if you do, that's fine, by the way. If you yeah. are just happy cruising and that's your thing and you that that's totally fine. And I think everyone reaches, goes through that particular season of life at some point. Yes. So it's really just you know, not putting the pressure on yourself to keep mm. go, 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 go. Like just enjoy it for, sometimes. Mm. Just, just stop and just chill and think about where you, like how far you've come, just enjoy it. And then when you're ready to hustle again, go for it. Yes, agree. And been thinking a lot about like habits and happiness and goal setting and all of this type of stuff recently. And it like, again, this theme that keeps coming up to me is it's like, you can have this goal and you can reach the goal, but it's never as satisfying as you think it will be. Like you have this moment of like, yes, that was epic. Like I've had financial goals in previous Mm -hmm. years that I've hit. And, and I've been like, yes, I did that. And then like life goes on and it doesn't momentously change who you are. It doesn't make a material difference to your happiness a month down the track. What does make a difference to your happiness is like going for a walk and getting some time in the, the sun day. day. Yeah. Really? Having a little cuddle with your son after daycare on the couch and like taking time with him. It's like your life is the sum of these small moments not the big moments like it's the working towards the goal it's not the goal yeah so and I think that's why I try to focus so much on like freedom profit and happiness and I feel like people forget about happiness Mm -hmm. people really focus on yes people talk about freedom and flexibility and all of that stuff that's a big thing people talk about profit and that's very different to revenue but Mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing as well but people don't talk about the happiness part that much and I feel Mm -hmm. like that bucket is empty then what's the point yes so it's like just celebrating small wins living your life doing things your own way you know if 60 grand a year makes you happy that's awesome if you're if you want more than that and you want to hustle that's awesome it's just about figuring out what's going to make you happy Mm, so much and yes the river (laughs) the river walks are my happy place in the morning it's just like starting off the day on a win, on a high, and then coming into work. Yeah, yeah, and then anything else from there, it could all it could all fall in a heap. But you've had that time to yourself, and yeah, I'm really prioritizing that at the moment too. Yeah. Okay. So, can you please share some tips on effective communication between designers and clients? Because I think this is one place where processes tend to fall down, or where creatives really struggle. Because, like you said, it's that business hat, and it's like we can do the creative thing, we can have the output but it's like the project management is almost a bigger piece in some ways I think it takes more headspace then to me I can design a website with my eyes closed but talking to a client managing a project it's a lot more mental energy for me so what are some tips you have here yeah (laughs) yeah and I don't know about you but I like if I think about it I would say only 50% of what I do is the actual designing part yeah 
100% is everything else, which includes client management, project management, accounting, all of the marketing, all of the things. And if you you think about that 50-50, like it's a huge part of it. And obviously communication between you and your client is one of the most important things. And I think it it just all comes down to that process. And like we've talked about this before. So the onboarding process is so important in terms of setting boundaries, mutually agreeing on expectations from the client and also from you, being friendly in the way that you communicate with Mm -hmm. them in the email. So there's so many things, but I think it all comes back to that communication. And at the end of the day, you can get pissed off or whatever when a client doesn't get back to you on time or you sent a proposal and you haven't heard back from them in two weeks or whatever it is, have you communicated with the client and do they even know? Like, do they even know that you wanted to hear back from them just on Wednesday? I think there's a lot of like lack of communication that can cause so many issues and resentment Mm -hmm. between you and the client. And it all comes back to effective communication. If you've clearly communicated your boundaries and your expectations, obviously like in a friendly way, then I don't have issues anymore. I used to, mm-hmm. for sure. I used to have so many issues and I would get so tied up in that resentment. And I don't even know what my sort of switch was, but it's it occurred to me, like, how are they supposed to know that them causing all of these delays is going to affect my workload or like my sanity? <laughs> yes. It really is about making sure that you communicate all of that stuff at the beginning of a project because it's really yep. difficult to deal with it midway through a project yeah I actually just recorded a mini set on this so I I'm like all on the same wavelength as you today but it's just how often has a client been through a rebrand before or a web design project and if they have it probably didn't go that well or they would probably be working with that person again so it's your job to guide them through the process and lay out the steps lay out the expectations answer all of their questions up front and really tell them, this is how it's going to look. This is when your project is booked in for. This is how long I have to get feedback. And if I don't get feedback from you in that time, then there's a fee for project restart and I have to schedule Mm -hmm. in you at my next available appointment. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of hard clients and all of this stuff, but I am really always interested to know, okay, what does your contract say and have you ever actually enforced it? Have you, Mm -hmm. or have you even actually even reminded the client at the first hint that it was going off the rails, actually just taking you back to this thing that you agreed to. Like I always say, as a small freelance design studio, my time is really important and the time I've allocated to this project needs to be used the most effectively to get the best result from your project. If you say it in a nice way that's I'm here to do the work for you, come on, like you hired me for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And I think clients actually respect that authority. You know, I think some designers and I know I have an outgoing personality and I'm I'm not afraid to have those conversations, but I know there's plenty of designers that may be a little bit more introverted or a little bit more shy or a little bit more junior and they're not comfortable having that kind of authority and using that expertise, I guess, in terms of that project management side of things. But Mm -hmm. you have to be, you have to, you have to be assertive and you have to stick to your, like a lot of designers, even if they do have it in their contract, like they're too scared to enforce it. But I think you've just got to stick to your guns. Like you're running a business here. You've just got to suck it up and um, deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I had, I was going to say coffee, but that's a lie. It was a cocktail with a business friend a couple of weeks ago. It was a Friday and we caught up. I met her back when I used to work in a co-working space and hadn't seen her for a long time. 
And she runs a pretty successful marketing agency, big team, and that's what she does. And she was telling me how she had a couple of website projects on at the moment, but all six of them in the last few months had asked to delay the project or pause the project or hadn't gotten back to her yet. And so she was going to be lumped with eight website projects in the month of September. And she just shrugged it off and said, oh, well, I guess that's just business. And I just got like so, and I was like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. What are you Mm -hmm. doing? Am I a control freak? I don't know. But (laughs) I'm like, no, like you need to set it straight. You need to like, you can't, how's that going to work? It's too much. That's way too much for one month. Yeah, exactly. Like that, even if you have a team, that's not the point. The point is that they signed on with you. You need to have the processes to be able to avoid that. And I think also it's worth noting, like the reason I have all of these processes and I'm sure you're exactly the same is because you've been caught up in situations in the past and you've learned from it or you've seen Mm -hmm. other people learn from it. And being the fixer person I am, like I'm going to then implement extra clauses or change my processes to avoid that in the future. So I think when you, when I or you can share these situations, it can just help educate other designers on or help them realize what they're lacking in their process or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, totally agree. So on this, this is a little bit of a, I guess, different side of the same coin, but like, how do you handle boundary pushes or like clients who expect more, they want to add more to the project or they need an extra round or Mm. they expect that something's included, even though it wasn't quoted for. Like, how do you deal with that? With a lot of resentment? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's challenging. I feel like when a situation comes up and you don't have anything in your contract to cover you or it hasn't been addressed, it's really tricky to resolve and get out of it. And so I think sometimes you just have to get on with it and do it for them and learn just learn from it and change your processes down the track and Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that I've had to do I'm sure you've had to do it if there's a couple of extra rounds of revisions if the client's lovely I don't mind doing it but I think those terms are in your contract for when you want to enforce them and you can choose when you want to enforce them or if you're happy to just roll with it for the sake of the relationship with the client so I think that that's when you just have to put your going to say your sensible cap on but I mean you should be sensible all of the time uh yeah you just have to decide and trust your gut as to what the right thing to do is but I don't know if those kinds of situations are tricky and personally I have a lot of clauses in my contract <laughs> to protect me from that now and then I reiterate the big ones in a friendly way in a welcome kit so that's how I deal yeah. with it I nip it in the bud before they happen now But I mean, yeah, thinking back a few years ago when delays were just the massive one for me, I've never had a problem with people not paying invoices because I never started before. So I've never had issues with that, but I definitely had issues with delays and that was just a big one for me. Just, I don't know, it killed my soul and I sort of started to not enjoy what I was doing and I had to change it. I mean, I would say nip it in the bud before it happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really great advice. Nip it in the bud. bud. Boundary pushes. We don't like scope creep. I have a very recent situation, which I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on. This one was completely out of the blue for me and really something I had never even thought to plan for and mitigate for. And it's not in my contract at all Mm -hmm. because I'll tell you the situation. So I did some work for a client. They were very happy with the output. I went over and above. It was actually a different kind of project than I would normally do, but It was for a grant. It was when I was coming back from mat leave. I said, yes, Mm -hmm. anyway, I did it. 
there was kind of six parts to this project and I ended up giving them an extra seventh part. I then also gave them the design files so that they could reuse them in their own mm. business. Mm. I did a couple of like gorgeous mock-ups that I purchased from Moyo Studio. So they were like high cost things that weren't in the quotes. So I went above and beyond. At the start of the project, I included a two-hour strategy call and they had said, I get a little bit stressed with long meetings. Can we do one hour now, one hour later, like maybe as a coaching session or something like that? And I was like, yep, that's mm-hmm. fine. So we did the one hour strategy call. So we get to the end of the project that paid in full, everything had been handed over and it was done and they were really happy. And I am really proud of the work. It's really, it's going to serve their business really well in the long term. Like I was like, whoa, I smashed that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Then they came back to me and they were like, okay, I actually have just hired a coach, so I don't need that extra coaching session. So can you refund me for that extra coaching session? And I was like, hmm. Okay, so this money's been in my bank account for three months at this point. Yeah. Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Balls of them to ask you that. I agree. I think that's very cheeky, especially since I went above and beyond in other places that would have been over the value of what they're asking for back. Hmm. We didn't agree to take that out of the scope of the project. That appointment is still available to them. I said, just book it any time before the end of the year. So it's not like I put a deadline on it. Yeah. So I was like, hmm. And I I actually talked to my husband about it last night and he was like, just say no. That was a package deal. So that product is like a discounted product based on the entire package that you gave to them. Mm. They've looked at it as a literal sense of this is the quote and this is the portion of that quote and how much it's worth, but that's not really how it works. And yeah, and what I've actually quoted for is a strategy session to get your target audience and all of these things. We actually accomplished that in an hour rather Mm. than the two hours. So it was actually for me, if I had to put one little word in my quote up to two hours Mm -hmm. instead of one hour, that would have mitigated that whole situation. But me being an over-deliverer, I'm like, yeah, cool, have another strategy call. I would love your thoughts on that. Oh, that is a really tricky one. I mean, like I've got things in my contract like no refunds. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then that's something that That covers it. Yeah. I also have found that when situations have come up like this and – it's really tricky to know what to reply to. I find a phone call mm. just to chat with them is always better than an email because sometimes, I mean, I personally have to sit on emails for at least 24 hours in like situations like this because yeah. I sometimes can come off a little bit bitchy. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that and I know that because I'm trying to protect myself and I have to sit on it, I proofread it, do that. But yeah. a lot of the times when you get on a phone with someone and just chat through it and explain it, it's a lot easier to have that friendly undertone and find that common ground. And yeah. you know, it, could be, it could be just a simple miscommunication that yeah. is resolved in one quick phone call. But I think if your contract says no refunds, then no refunds. But yeah. I mean, depends on what that value is. and. Yeah, if it's a small value and you're like, I'm just going to refund this because I can't be bothered to deal with it and I just don't want to battle with you or whatever, like that's 
that's one perspective. Yeah. But if it's a significant amount of money that you're really like, no, that I'm not refunding that, then Yeah. Yeah. I would I would give them a call and then pop it in writing. Yeah. I'm totally in two minds as well. Cause it's five hundred dollars. Mm. I'm like, I've got five hundred dollars. I can give you five hundred dollars. But it's the but it's still five hundred dollars. It's yeah. five hundred dollars. Yeah. And it's I, I know I did really great work for you and I went above and beyond. And it just makes no sense to me. I'm like, I'm how would you them. feel if a client did this to you? I would call them and stop out their tone. Yeah. And then decide. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Sometimes emails can definitely go astray. I have the same as you. I'm I have ADHD. So it's more that I'm like, bam, 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 bam. Like yeah. just I write really quickly and then I'm like, yeah. and I have to remind people sometimes. Oh, if I see someone, I'm I'm not always, oh hey, how are you? I'm just like, okay, let's do this. And <laughs> like, there's no banter. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, I have no filter as well. So I just reply with instant emotion. Yeah. And it has got me in trouble in the past yes. and I've regretted pushing send. So I consciously now try and like sit back, day. think about it from their perspective, take a breath, mm. get my partner to proofread my email. <laughs> but yeah, I think I have definitely learned that phone calls are especially, well, I mean, it depends who the client is. If they're a little bit older, like definitely the phone call. Yeah. But. Yeah, I would do that and just suss it out first before making a decision. Yeah. But yeah, that's one. I haven't had anything like that. No, so because it's no. like they're not asking for a refund because I didn't do a good job. They're not asking for a yeah. refund. It, yeah, it's just a weird one. It's like they've changed their mind. Yeah. It's like they've changed yeah. their mind about one deliverable, which had been allocated for in my project, yeah. in my calendar, all of these things. But, I mean, if you take no matter what you decide, that's a massive learning and you're yes. – Fully just going to add in the up to, and that's never going to happen. Again. So that's yeah. what I'm talking about when you, you go through all these situations and you you don't think of these things yeah. until something happens, and then yeah. you change your processes and then you fix it so that it won't happen again. Yeah, that up to pretty cool. Yeah, and I have a really robust contract, and I've been in this and years, and this is something that's never happened to me. Yeah, I think it would be different if we were partway through the project and then they were like, oh, I didn't need that anymore. And I, if they hadn't paid all of the money like a long mm. time ago, it might be a bit of a different situation. But Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like your contract does cover you. It's just an awkward one. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I agree. I might go back to yeah. it and have another read. Yeah. No, but it just goes to show even no matter how many years you've been doing this, no matter how many clauses you have in your contract no matter how good your process is there's always going to be things that pop up that yes like even for me like stuff pops up and you're like how do I deal with this it's always going to happen so yeah it's just good to not get other people's opinions and yes. talk it out and yeah but it's tricky yeah business festies <laughs> yeah so key exactly. so important okay so I think this kind of goes along with that like what resources or communities do you recommend for designers who are looking to grow their careers is there anywhere you love to hang out or yeah I think just in general being in that co-working space in my first look I have been a member there for, for the entire time I've been in business but I was there full-time for a few years was a huge sort of head start like you just meet other business owners you're hanging out with like-minded people it's the same for like mastermind groups or even going to networking events. Like I don't think there's like a specific one I could recommend because obviously it depends where you are, mm. what kind of business you are, all of the different variables. But there are co-working spaces and online mastermind groups and networking events everywhere. I think it's just about having the courage to seek them out and actually attend because it's 
it is a bit daunting going somewhere new and doing something new for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. Were you in the founders team? Yes, I was. Yes. I loved I think it. that might be how we connected. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, I mean, that for me, and by the way, that was a, a mastermind kind of group that sadly is no longer. No longer. Uh, but that and being part of that co-working space, I was a member of Prospect Studios in the Valley in Brisbane. Highly recommend. Yeah, big game changers. And I have a huge network of business friends clients all from just those two communities and I'm sure you do as well so yeah just finding some kind of place with like-minded people because I mean there's only so much your friends and family want to hear about stuff so I think it's really important to have those business friends to be able to bounce off and also for referrals so I would say yeah those are the two sort of types of communities that were really massive for me did you find the same yes definitely and yeah, I've done Founders Team. I'm a member of Cool Well Collective, which is an online yes. co-working space. Yep. I'm part of the Big Lifers, which is another one in Brisbane. Yes. I'm really yep. loving that at the moment. Is that Tina's group? No, Jess. No, Jess. Okay. Yeah. And I just think I'm also doing a course and there's like an, a live component with community building and I've made some really mm-hmm. great connections through that too. I think that, yeah, it's almost like putting yourself out there. Mm. Yeah. And even if it's like you make a good friend, all of my best friends are in business now and we've I've met them through this online community and we're all doing similar things. And we have we we understand each other. We have the same issues, we have the same problems and we can help each other out and give advice and or just be like a an ear to listen or totally. Yeah. (laughs) It's just I get get it. No, yeah. 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 So I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think Soulfire is another one too for anyone who wants to Google all of these masterminds. I think she does an on- online mastermind. Ah, uh, yes. She was with working with Leanne for a while, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, correct. Now she's done her own. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So can you share like what's next to you? Do you have any upcoming projects or plans that you want to share with us? I do. I am in the middle of my launch for my course. So it's called In Demand Designer and it is doors open until Sunday, the 8th of October, which is very exciting. So yeah, I run this course for designers who are just looking to up level. So if you're curious about how to run a design studio or just reinvigorate all of your processes, grow your network, all of the things, my mission is to make sticky situations a thing of the past and help designers find their sweet spot to building a six-figure studio. So that is where what I'm doing at the moment. Obviously, I still love the client work, and that is always going to be a massive part of my business, but I'm really excited to grow this kind of education branch for designers because I just love talking about business. I've loved talking about it with you as well. Yeah. So thank you for having me. Oh, so welcome. I think that's one really key thing that's really, I think, sometimes missing in the education and coaching space is actually still being in practice and specifically in our industry, design and tech, things move so quickly and change so quickly and there's tech and there's AI and there's all of this stuff. I just really think it's important to be in it as well, to be totally sharing what you're learning as you go, because like we say, there's no end point. Like we're constantly improving. We're a couple steps ahead so we can kind of like leave the breadcrumbs. (laughs) To those who are following. Exactly. I mean, I've done a lot of courses as well. And the ones that I have enjoyed the most are from other designers who are working. 
it's less, I'm not discrediting coaches or business mentors or any of that, but I think there's something about learning from someone who's like in the mud with you and experiencing all the things that you're experiencing or at least have in the past. So yeah, I'm just putting my expertise out there, my experiences and just oversharing as I usually do. Louise has a close friends list which she shares more designer insight and like designer gossip oh this is how this project is going so her fellow designers go and follow her but also shoot her message and be like can you please add me to your close friends I think that's a really great idea yes it's my secret squirrel group where I just ramble about all of the things but I love it and I know people love spying on the behind the scenes of businesses I'm just trying to share as much as I can the good the bad the ugly the fun all of it so key (laughs) So yeah, can you tell us what's your Instagram handle and your website and all of that? Yes. So my Instagram handle is Louise Crozier underscore. So that's C-R-O-Z-I-E-R. I always have to spell it out for everybody. And my website is louisecrozier.com. There's a little designer tab on my website for all of the designers who are curious. And that's me. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure I will talk to you very soon. <laughs> I'm always in your DMs. So yeah, have a good avo. Thank you. If you love what I do here, let's connect. I tend to hang out on Instagram and you can find me at Seedling Digital and at Woman Wealth WordPress. You can head to womanwealthwordpress.com forward slash freebie to download my free Embrace Your Dream Life workbook. This guide is over 10 pages of actionable information and worksheets designed to help you build a profitable and fulfilling business in three steps. Get clear on your why, improve your money mindset and hone in on your messaging. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a rating and a review. It truly means the world to me and I read every message and kind word. Till next time, aim big. Aim big.